Welcome to Make Your Show, The Creators. This series is intended to inspire and educate storytellers on how to produce films and series that offer examples of their work. I'm John Kramer. And I'm Jason Chichi, and this is episode four. Today, we're talking to my good friend, Nick Sinakis. Nick is an actor who started making his own work a long time ago, like when YouTube was still new, and has now gotten to the point where his company, 418 Films, has pitched and sold their work. Along the way, the skills he's picked up have helped him score work in other areas and open some fun doors. We heard a lot of useful stuff in this conversation, like suggestions for those of us out there who may be afraid to start making their own work because the prospect of taking on new skills like writing, editing, working a camera or lights can be daunting. Don't be daunted. Hey! Hey! How are you guys? How's it going, guys? Good, good how are you? you? Nice to meet you, Nick. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just, you know, I'm uh, settling back down in Los Angeles here. It's, uh, I guess, uh, I guess I've been here like three weeks or so, three or four yeah. weeks now. Where were you before? We uh, we were up in northern Pennsylvania. I saw Kramer at the Cape. But it wasn't all fun and games, was it? It was a little bit of work, too. Yeah, we ended up uh, we ended up shooting a movie during all of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were planning on doing something a little bigger, and my writing partner had since moved to Pennsylvania, so we kind of quarantined there for two weeks and wrote a script. And who's your writing partner? Kevin Ignatius. Kevin Ignatius, right? We, I mean, we've done like all this stuff, even with Quinn, like Hookman Jay. We've been working together for a long time so sure so you and kevin uh did some filming during covid that's uh that's really impressive it was a little ambitious but it it, it made more sense when when i got there yeah uh, you know I was, I was gonna be there for two weeks no matter what and he's like i know we can't do this bigger thing that we were talking about with raising more money and we had some friends that were on shows that were going to be a part of it He's like, do you think we could do something just us, essentially? So it was me, Kevin, and Dave, our sound guy. That was it. We rode in two weeks. We had a car, so we didn't have to, you know, fly any further than once we were there and, like, you know, quarantined. We rode in two weeks, kind of prepped it for probably three. You could do that work from anywhere? Yeah, that kind of stuff, because at that point, it was mostly the script was written. We were just dealing with, like, logistics of schedule. production stuff. Yeah, and, you know, all all that kind of stuff. Fortunately, and we wrote it with this in mind, a lot of it was outside, almost all of it, and a lot of it was during the day. So we used a lot of the national forests, the waterfalls, the lake, the just all the resources that were there, and then kind of, you know, wrote it with that in mind. So, you know, again, small footprint, small crew, not a lot of people. Kevin had seen two teenage brothers in a local play, and he's like, I know it sounds crazy, man. He's like, they're really good. He's like, we know their family. They're good people. You know, it would just be us and them. They're Boy Scouts. Like, we can make it, like, cool horror film through the woods looking for mom, you know. It was a horror uh, film? Yeah, it's like a horror. Yeah, it's a horror film. It's kind of like, like a thriller. thriller. Kind of like psychological thriller more so than slasher. Mm-hmm. I love those. Yeah. So, here, let me just... You guys look so nice. I got to adjust this little, I'll get the greatest light here in this place, but. We're just using that, that sweet natural light. 
What did you shoot it with? Did you uh, an actual camera? Was it like iPhone shooting? What were you shooting with? No. So what we did is um, I own an A7, Sony A7, and we rented a 1971 Cook zoom lens that they actually shot The Shining on. Wow. Um, and I did, awesome. a little, I did a little bit of research about it. it. Again, it was all logistical stuff, right? So it was like, okay, it's just the two of us. We're going to be mobile, but we made like a creative decision to really be a little bit more technical in terms of we wanted stuff locked off. We wanted like smooth dolly stuff. So it wasn't going to be handheld run and gun, but it was going to be just us. So no crew, zoom lens, you don't have to switch lenses. You don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. And it just had a cool vibe to it. And I did a little bit of research, rented it at a local production house. It was like 150 bucks a day or something because it's, it's an older, bigger lens i guess that doesn't move as much wow uh, from the rental house standpoint mm-hmm. yeah that was so it this is a feature that you you uh, funded yourself yeah so i mean just to give you a little more kind of backstory so sure. my, well this is this is so funny right we kind of just d- jumped right into it i was gonna say you did this film which we want to ask more questions about because i think a lot of people that would watch this would be interested in like right now how can i film right now and also the kind of decision you know the process that you went through saying we had this other idea that probably wasn't going to work right now so we switched gears very quickly you guys adapted we're nimble but you know we're we're talking to people who probably want to make their own stuff whether you know primarily actors maybe writers maybe directors and you know the reason we wanted to talk to you specifically is because that was you right you were an actor you started making your own stuff and that was a long time ago. So you, <laughs> yeah. maybe we should, we should start at the beginning. Uh, what, what's the name of the film working title that you just filmed? I would say the closest working title we have at the moment is um, The Pines. The Pines sounds, you know, in a way, kind of like starting over, right? Sure. This kind of, the kind of project, small crew, no budget, right? I don't know. Like, you know, it sounds like you guys didn't raise money for this and used your own no. money for it, yeah. right? We did not, no. Yeah. I mean, and like, we could, t- we, you know, we could talk about it more. I don't mind talking about this stuff again. Um, yeah. But what's made it work for us and is kind of like the idea of, you know, being able to wear many hats. So, so my day job is an editor and I totally got into that 100% from acting and making my own stuff. So square one, you're an actor. Yeah. Never went to school for it. I only started that out of a necessity to be able to make my own work. And that's like kind of my, my day job is where I make most of my money now. But going back to the movie we just shot, the way that we're able to do those things is because we're all fairly capable with the camera. We're all around it a lot. I edit it. Kevin's a really great musician. So you kind of knock out almost all of post-production and even really production costs there. I mean, so we paid, you know, we paid the lead actors and we paid Dave, our sound guy. How many actors did you have? Yeah. So we had the two teenage boys, um, which was the primary, you know, bulk of the story. And then we had how many supporting? So I also played a supporting, another, you know, person you don't have to pay. Um, does Kevin act as well? He does. He does. He, um... Not, I would say not as much as me. He, he kind of dabbled with it. He still does it. 
he's kind of man he's like one of those just like really pure artists and just like really natural and even in the music side if it makes sense you know he'll do it but he's not i wouldn't say he's actively seeking out acting work where i still am kind of thing but but you saw jay uh on their what the 418 films is your production company yeah 418 films their project jay that's kevin and jay yeah. right yeah he played the the, the twins the clone and yeah. yeah he got two credits for that yeah two on imdb for that's great so what i'm hearing is that while it may seem like the pines could have been a project that you would have taken on earlier in your in your you know career let's say in in terms of making your own work you probably wouldn't be able to pull it off if you hadn't had all the experience that you had because you guys have all these new skills that you didn't have when you started making your own work yeah that's that's true it's very very fair to say yeah but what I was going to say is, is just what happens is to keep the cost down. You know, it's not to say you still can't do it or we still wouldn't be able to do it. But then you're either going into raising money, going into your own pocket at a, at a much bigger kind of capacity try, and then trying to recoup that. So what we've done over time and going back to what you said, because we've been able to develop those skills, we think we can make a really great product inexpensively, which That's could let us keep doing it without having to wait a long period of time, raise money, go through any of the red tape or the hoops. So, and it's not to say that we don't still go out and pitch or attach to projects that take two, three years. It's more so like for us, for our soul, if we could do this maybe once a year and not break the bank, you kind of get the best of both worlds. You're being productive, you're pushing the bar up hopefully and you're getting to you know be creative on your own terms yeah that sounds great well i really do want to talk about where you guys are now you know heading into the pines before you decided to do that project obviously because of current circumstances with covid that you guys had kind of a model now where and that is a question a lot of people have like how do i get the money what kind of money do i need what do i need money for and then how, how do I get the money? And then you're, you're now, you know, beyond that, where now you're, you're, how do I get that money back and, and make money? Uh, but can we start just at the beginning and kind yeah. of yeah. quickly recap how you got to this? That's a really great place to be. So sure. you, you start out, you're an actor. Yep. You went to school for acting. I did. So I went to, I went to undergrad at the University of Delaware. Um, I was a visual arts major and got scared and (laughs) majored in visual arts and uh, business management. Yeah. Um, And then towards my senior year, I I really knew I wanted to act. I I really kind of knew I wanted to do it. So um, I'm from New York. My parents are on Long Island. So I'm like a bunch of buddies from college moved to New York. So I moved to New York City. um, And shortly after, I I did a lot of things backwards, but I went to New York City. I was like, I'm going to act. And I just kind of hit the ground running. And what I found is I was getting more opportunities. And I was getting in more rooms than I probably should have. And I didn't, know what the, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I'm like, I really need to learn and study and figure out, you know, if I really want to do this. I always thought the best actors came from New York theater. So I really wanted to study that. So I went to a studio called William Esper Studio. Uh, which is a Meisner-based studio in Manhattan. It's really well-known, really great alumni. You know, Larry David went there. Sam Rockwell went there. 
Um, some really great people. Sam actually came back and spoke to my graduating class for a year after I graduated. I forget which one. So that was like a two and a half year conservatory. So that was really, that was really life-changing for me for that regard. While I was in New York, I was doing a lot of different stuff, a lot of auditioning, a lot of extra work. I was doing a lot of extra work trying to get my SAG card. I ended up somehow in a good position. Uh, for, for whatever reason, the casting director at Saturday Night Live uh, liked me. And they have very few people. I like that how I'm, you phrase that. I have no idea why. I don't know why. What's <laughs> yeah. not to love? Right. Um, <laughs> well, you know, because it's an interesting thing. I think what happens is they have so few people in extra roles on those shows because of the live nature of it and how intimate it is and how you're around a host, a, a president. A, so I think they were, if you, if you kind of prove that you're not completely out of your mind, they'll yeah. bring you they're back. Gonna call, they're going to call you back. So just got along with those guys well. And I had met Andy Samberg and the Lonely Island guys. Mm-hmm. And it's three friends that are best friends that from your uh, neck of the woods went to high school together and basically were making their own videos. Mm-hmm. And that's how they got on Saturday Night Live. They weren't stand-ups. They weren't improv guys. They, you know, it wasn't the traditional kind of people you hear about getting on that show. Yeah. And I was fortunate to work a really late night with them once I think it was like a 15, 16-hour day. And I was one of the only ones that was still there with them. And they were really nice to me. And they were very kind to me. And they just told me, you know, about their... They're like, dude, I don't know how it happens, man. You know, like, we're lucky. We're just... We're making stuff like we were making stuff. We're just... Yeah. You know, we, we're getting paid now. You know, it's like... So that was really another kind of major thing for me where I was like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I want to make stuff with my friends, with people I like you know, on my own terms, um, because those guys did everything. Now, you know, Andy was like, he's the big star. He's the one everybody knows, but they all write together. You know, they switch off directing. You know, they have a big company now that that does a lot of producing stuff that you don't always know that they're involved in. And I think that also helps with longevity. So I was like, that's, that's what I want to do. And that was kind of the turning point where I started to teach myself how to edit. I bought a camera and, you know, me and my friends started making stuff. We actually made a really bad music video parody. In Why Lord. not? I mean, you're following in their footsteps. Go exactly. all the way. What um, was the song? The one that we did? I'm embarrassed to say it, but I will. Uh, it, is, it was uh, my blowout haircut, and it was about weedos on Long Island with spiky hair. Nice. Uh, just played on all those... Types All the stereotypes. Jersey is can, stereotypes. Can this be seen anywhere? Can we see it anywhere? I hope not, but it, it might still be looking <laughs> around somewhere. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So, we'll, we'll do some research, Nick. <laughs> you you luck into the Lonely Islands. You pay attention. You ask them for the secret to their success. They say, we don't know. We made stuff, though. Yeah. So you start making stuff. You get the gear and you start teaching yourself how to edit. Is this, are you like watching videos on YouTube? How are you learning how to edit? Yeah, I mean, YouTube was still, so this was probably like 2006-ish, somewhere around there. So YouTube was still fairly new. Early days. But it was also big enough that I think you maybe missed the YouTube star or like make money YouTube channel boat. And I could be wrong. That's just my kind of interpretation. Because they were, the Lonely Island guys were on a thing called Channel 101, which at the time was sure. kind of Dan Harmon. YouTube, Funny or Die type. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, totally, totally self-taught. Yeah, literally 
YouTube and online. I never took a class in my life. And this is where you meet, where do you meet Kevin? I meet Kevin in New York City in an acting class, oddly enough. We get paired up together to do a scene from Hurley Burley, I believe. Oh no, this is our youth. It was This is Our Youth, and it was, a, it was a, a weird drug scene, and it's two teenagers, and they come back, and they spill the coke everywhere and all this stuff. So we had to rehearse outside of class a lot. So we just were talking, oh, I'm from Pennsylvania, I'm from New York. Uh, we both played hockey. We had similar things in common, similar people that we knew, you know, acquaintances. He said, I'm moving to L.A. with my girlfriend. And I was like, oh, man, oh, I want to do it. I, you know, I always wanted to do it. Feel like you got to do it you know the whole yeah. also again that you got to be in la yeah and he goes well listen man you know i'm gonna be out there keep in touch you want to come visit you know whatever and that's that's how i met him we just yeah. stayed in touch now and, are you guys making stuff together before you moved to la he was out out here in la for a couple of years before i came out so okay. we were making stuff on different coasts believe it or not together so, though together so the first thing we made and this kind of goes back to self-editing and teaching yourself how to film stuff. The first thing that we made was a short film. And I said, hey, let's make this short film. I have this idea. It was very post-college kind of figuring out life type of thing. Stupid, whatever. But why don't you come back? You know, we'll, we'll do it. We'll film it. And at that time, I had a good bartending job. So I was just like, I'll pay for it. And it was still enough where the digital cameras were starting to come out. So it wasn't an exorbitant amount of money. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple thousand bucks. You know, we shot in two days, shot at my parents' house on Long Island, shot in my apartment in Manhattan, you know, same, same kind of idea, you know, small crew, a DP, camera, sound guy, you know. And sure. Was it written? Was it written with um, locations you had in your back pocket in mind? I mean, is that right? Yeah, it was. I mean, for better or worse, we've kind of always reversed engineered in that way. Yeah. Um, and in a way, you know, I saw Robert Arias, um interview where he's like, I now seek that out because I think it draws more creativity from you. You know, everybody's like, oh, I, you know, to have a huge imagination and endless possibilities. And that's the most creative thing you could do. But it forces you to really kind of be more creative. You know, what do I have? How can I make it interesting, unique, fit within the story, work? So we've, uh, we've always been, yeah, reverse engineering. Is that all of your latest project? You decided, you know, since it's a more of a small concept that you would go with uh, like a, a different lens or that you'd really get more into the technical part of it because that added sort of a special element to it uh, as opposed to huge locations or big budgets? For, for this particular one, you mean, that we did? For the pines. Yeah, for the pines. Okay, so fast forward, I end up moving to L.A. eventually. But we are going back and forth. I'm visiting Kevin. We are filming stuff each time. Eventually, I make the move. In the last two years, I believe, Kevin moved back home, which was northwestern Pennsylvania. Now, once he did that, it was immediate. We have to film a movie there because it's a super small town. I mean, very small. The the northwest most point of Pennsylvania. So it's bordering right on Ohio and New York State by Lake Erie. Not much around there, but beautiful, beautiful landscapes. So you have national forests, lakes, preserved land, um, waterfalls, boulders, you know, a lot of stuff. So the idea is we could kind of go there and have carte blanche. It's a small community. His parents grew up there. His wife's parents grew up there. 
They know people. People are willing to help when you're in a small community. That, so once he was there, that was on our radar. That was definitely in our head. Now, COVID kind of scrambled that a little bit in terms of what we were initially going to try to do. So I'm kind of envisioning this, that we, we hear a little bit about your early experiences with making your own work. Because again, I think most actors, they start out making their own stuff. They think, I, I want to make work. You hear it. And not necessarily always are you given the same reason actors need to make their own work. But most actors, when they do make their own work, they're trying to further their acting career. They're trying to showcase their skills as an actor, have real material, have material to market themselves to casting directors, directors, producers. But you definitely, it sounds like, have gotten to a different phase where you're not just focused on showcasing yourself as an actor. So it sounds like you kind of have had these three phases and the latest phase with the Pines is brand new and because of COVID. Yeah, and, and but just, yeah, even just to backtrack on that, a yeah. little, some of the acting work that I have had been all from stuff I've made myself. For example, we had a, I don't know if I, I should mention it, but whatever, we had a TV deal with a big studio. We were going to act in it. And we, we created it. And all of those meetings, all of those pitches, anybody that we met because of that project, including our agent at a, at a very big agency, was because they saw stuff that we made ourselves. It was nothing else. It wasn't a guest spot on NBC. It wasn't a, a movie with you know Russell Crowe. It was all based on stuff we had created ourselves that we then showed and sent it to them. So... For the actors out there that, you know, or maybe even just, I don't want to say just acting, but that's their primary focus. There is something to be said for that, you know? And then, you know, also, I mean, John, you know this too, you know, when you're in acting class, at least, especially from a Meisner training standpoint, you're, you kind of are writing, whether you know you are or not, you know, you're improvising within the text and you're creating certain situations that are going to make you come alive and you're trying to get real behavior, right? So you know, you're kind of writing without knowing it in a way. And the other thing it does is it, it gives you a chance to really stretch your muscle because most people, especially in television, are going to probably cast you very close to who you are. You know, sure. you're going to be playing a, a really fine line of, of who you kind of are as a person, which is fine. And there's, there's some great, you know, nuggets in that. And there could be some great work in that. But, you know, you might want to play something totally off type or where normal people would have to really fight for those things. You know, here's an opportunity maybe to show someone, hey, you know, you might not see me this way, but I could do this. You know, that's right. I think for those for those things and for also just your mental health to be doing something, (laughs) to be working, to be productive, the waiting for me, the waiting for auditions. Listen, some people could do it. There's some people that like it and are, are great at it and like auditioning and, and like the life of just an actor. I, I, it drives, you know, it makes me crazy. So I need to do something to keep myself productive. So when that does come up, I'm a little fresher. I have other stuff going on. It's not, oh my God, my one audition in two months. If I don't book this, I'm not eating. So it helps me with that too. When we've, we've heard this from, from other people that we've talked to now. This, some of the same things keep coming up, right? The need to express ourselves, you know, for some people, the journey that they've been on, that, that they've gotten to a place now where they call themselves artists instead of actors yeah. and the feeling that that gives them. But also just being able to, to switch your mindset from sitting and waiting to being yeah. somebody that's doing something. Uh, that how valuable that can be. One of the things that we hear a lot is, 
people are afraid to try things like, I'm an actor, I don't want to write. I'm an actor, I, I can't figure out the camera, uh, the lenses, the lighting. You know, we had talked about raising money, but just in terms of like thinking about all the roles that you have to take on, it sounds like you guys just dove right in and, and did everything and, and weren't afraid to try and what, fail? I mean, how did you deal with that fear or doubt? I think that's always going to be there. But I think for me, the fear of not ever trying or not ever doing it outweighed, you know, the latter, I guess I should say. But, you know, so that always drove me in the sense of that was more, that was scarier to me than, oh, I might not be able to figure it out. And the other thing that I'll say is like, most actors are, you're in it, you're in plays, you're in rehearsals, you're in table reads, you're, you know, you're, I think you're doing a lot more than you realize. And it's, it's very similar. So like good storytelling is good storytelling. And my teacher would always say good acting, you know, good acting is good acting. It's good on stage. It's good in front of a camera, like tell a good story. People will forgive maybe not the greatest lighting or not the greatest sound. You know, the guys from it's always sunny in Philadelphia, they have like their famous, I think it was a VHS, maybe it wasn't, but their pilot that they shot on like mini DV tapes in their living room. They didn't have any lights. They didn't have, you know, any like great sound. Yeah, the other uh, reference is Broad City. A lot of people say, you know, when, when you saw the early right. episodes of Broad City, same thing. Right? They just filmed it with a phone. You know, yeah, they so, sound, I think, you know, decent that's, sound. It's kind of the thing. So it's like, it's being creative. You're, you're involved in the whole process. And if you're telling a good story or it's unique or personal, that should be enough to connect with somebody and not get so caught up in the, in the lighting and the, and the technical stuff of it. If that turns you off, you know? Sure. Well, I think that's a key word too, is process. I think that you hear a lot of people say, well, I want to have good stuff because it's got to do this one thing. And again, what we've been hearing over and over again is there's so much value to be had from the whole process. If you aren't writing an Oscar winning screenplay, but you're still making things, you're still, you've gained, you know, there's been so many benefits that you've gotten from, from making your own work besides getting acting gigs. But now you're saying that your, your main gig is editing you've you've obviously really expanded your community right i mean that's something i guess we haven't really talked that much about can, can you talk about like how have you met new people and, and grown in terms of your community through making your own work well i mean i'll give you an example so work gets work right and most people do a lot of things in this business and like i said very few people really are just actors anymore sure I mean, you look at look at credits now of big time actors big time actors or producing, they're writing, they're directing. It, it's my heart goes out to you if that's all you want to do is act. But it, a lot of people are doing more things right now, and that can be positive. But to answer your question, because of editing, because of making my own stuff, Kevin and I kind of partnered with two other producers who were friends with first, who kind of were a little bit different in the sense of they had a big time agent, they were out here, they were pitching, pitching, pitching and selling, you know, we kind of paired up with this, with this other group that we're friends with. That's also a writing team. Uh-huh. They basically sold a bunch of stuff. Nothing got made. We made a bunch of stuff. Nothing got sold. So we kind of came together and they were like, we want to make a conscious effort to make more stuff. So we, we've done multiple projects together, but to give you an example, they came on to produce uh, an independent film called international falls. They brought, you know, brought me on and, and our little team with them produced with, you know, the uh, executive producers to film all the stuff that happened in L.A., which was probably like the exteriors in Minnesota, but it's probably like 60 percent, 70 percent in L.A. 
Yeah. So through that, because I knew how to edit and I, I could provide some value. I mean, I was an associate producer on the film. It was wrong. There's a lot of people you don't get to know normally when you're an actor on set. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, like there's a lot to be said depending on the situation. If it's yeah. like come out of your trailer, hit your mark, you know, yeah. go back in your trailer. I, I, yeah. You know, like it's different uh, a lot of times. So because of that, um, and I was on set for the whole thing and, and, and all of that, you know, the film starred Rob Hubel and Rachel Harris. Rachel Harris is on Lucifer. She was, you know, the bitchy wife in The Hangover. Rob Hubel's on Children's Hospital and um, a bunch of other things, Transparent. Uh, Kevin Nealon did a day. I got Mindy Sterling to do a day from Austin Powers. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're in this world. I need a couple lines. You know, Nick, you're an actor. Go, you know, heckle Rob Hubel on stage for a little bit, you know, while we do this. So you never know, like, how those things are going to work out. Because now it all becomes a conversation. Oh, you're an actor. When do you act? Where did you study? Oh, you studied in New York. Oh, you studied with Bill. I know Bill. Who else do you do you know? Do you know so and so? Yeah. Well, what have you been doing? Well, I did a yeah. I just did an indie movie. Oh, well, when does it come out? I want to see it. Where is it going to be? So you and, created an opportunity for yourself by the other things you could do. Yeah, and it's and it's odd because it's in a weird way more powerful than just being one thing. Everything that you've talked about has been great, and we could talk so much more about the film that you just made, The Pines. We could talk more about the beginning, you know, how you really started to negotiate all these things that you have to negotiate when you start making your own work. Who's going to write it? How are you going to write it? Who's going to film it? Who's going to edit it? All those things. Uh, it sounds like, you know, for your, your answer was, we just did it, you know, figured it out and did it. You're editing, you're, you're working on a set doing non-acting uh, type work on the set. And then you do, not only do you get acting work out of that entree, you know, the non-acting side side door, you also meet these amazing people. Cause what you're talking about now is my best friend's famous and how that happened. So the, the movie that I got on was called international falls. Right. But so I was an associate producer on that, got brought on to do editing, kind of on-site editing or like DIT work. Right. Um, but through that met, you know, the cast, met the director, met all the, and, and then had all these conversations about the origins of where, you know, I started and studying and, oh, you know them and you know that. And then on that film, you know, they were like, you know, we need somebody for this part. Nick, you, you act like, let's, let's, let's go, like, let's figure it out, you know? So, but then more so even than that was, oh, you made a movie and that was my best friend's famous. So now these people you could show them your work outside of, you know, maybe the one thing that they, they know you're doing on this particular movie. You know? Okay. And it's so like, you had already made my best friends famous at that time we did. Yeah. Okay. Then, but then it became a nice conversation piece where it was like, well, I want to see it. How do I see it? Where is it? Who's in it? You know, how'd you make it? You know, you acted in it, you know, and, and then that conversation starts kind of happening and percolating. And then you're kind of, you know, on people's radar a little bit as, doing different things, you know? Sure. So it's yeah. not just, not just an actor. You're doing lots of stuff now. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you could, it, 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 you know, it could go, it could kind of go both ways. You know, I started on that set as like DIT editing work and people found out that I was an actor and I got a small role and then I was able to send them my acting work. And then it could happen the other way where if you're on set as an actor and you know, you're talking to somebody and they're like, you know, I really needed, you know, an editor, a good DIT. And you're like, well, you know, I, I do that too. So it, it can work both ways. In that particular case, that's kind of how it was. So 
I got a small role, uh, you know, I got a small acting role in that movie. I met a lot, a lot of great people. I was able to then develop that, those relationships and say, you know, hey, here's a movie we just did, this indie movie, and here's some of my acting stuff. And at least even just be able to talk about that intelligently mm-hmm. um, it was nice, too. So I think yeah. I respect that. So I, I guess I got a little uh, out of order in my head. When you made My Best Friends Famous, because in my mind, that is kind of a next phase of making your own work. You've gone, when you make My Best Friends Famous, from making work really just to showcase yourself as an actor to now something different, right? Wouldn't you say My Best Friend's Famous was kind of a next level? For sure. I mean, at that point, we had only made shorts and like sketches and music videos, but from a narrative storytelling purpose. And there could be some actually in music videos, but in terms of us trying to get out there as like, okay, like actor, writer, teams, creators, going back to Broad City or It's Always Sunny, that kind of thing. We had only made shorts. We did a pilot on spec by ourselves, sketches, all these things, right? We had a bad experience with a major studio where it fell through and it was two and a half years, two and a half years of development. We're like, we could have made a movie. We could have made, you know, all this stuff. So that, it kind of was like, that kind of motivated us to be like, okay, we got to do this shit ourselves or at least dictate some of our own terms where we're not waiting two and a half years to, to be given permission to make something. And we said, okay, well, we made these shorts in this way, which kind of went back to, okay, I edit them, Kevin scores them, we use this, our own people. Can we elongate that and make a feature? Because a feature is, in a lot of ways, not that it should be all about the money, but at least there's a little bit more of a proven uh, method to maybe really have some kind of longevity or career with it where you could get some kind of return on investment. Okay. So now you're talking about making money from something that you make. Yes. Because I guess I I skipped a phase because you went from making work for yourself as an actor to it sounds like, which, you know, we we didn't talk about, but working with a studio, working with a studio to create something, writing, shooting. And very, you know, very different thing. Look, uh, I'm sure there's, there's good stories. There's, Bad stories is everything in the middle. We, we were in like a two and a half year development kind of option with one of our early, early ideas. Really, yeah, How much of this can you talk about without stepping on anybody's toes? I think I could talk most about it as long as I don't mention any, any like names, you know? Sure. So we basically were in what's called kind of like an if come deal. So the question though would be, wait a second. You made your own work. You were an actor. You made your own work. And then all of a sudden, people are going to start trying to pay you to make work. How did, how did you get from here to there? Well, that kind of, that goes back to what I said, that all those meetings, all from the agent to the studios, to the production companies, everybody we met with, we probably met with a good chunk of people in Hollywood in a six month period, big players. And it really showed me kind of the power of the agents. Not that I like it. Yeah. It showed me how all of a sudden you're like this and you're all of a sudden you have meetings constantly was from a pilot we made on our own that we showed them. And that was life behind bars, right? The name of the show was life behind bars. And it was about bartenders, high end bartenders in New York. And there was an element of kind of, um, it wasn't linear. So in the sense they're in jail, you don't know why. Right. They did. So they have these like confessions that are similar to like the office, but it's in the past kind of informing the narrative. Usual suspects for, bartenders (laughs) bartenders <laughs> like it's just so funny how like some of these some of these executives are just so like 
practical and linear. I'm like, listen, if you take like the office talking heads, right. Or even true detective, right. Yeah. In the past, they're in jail, but the story is, is you're seeing them. In how the they got there. You're trying, to, you're trying to say, how did this happen? That's the yeah. thing. How I met your mother. How did I, am I ever going to find out how I met your mother? You know, anyway, but, um, all of that stuff yeah. came from work we submitted that 100% we made ourselves. Uh-huh. Went to all those executives, all those studio heads, the agent that, that started working with us saw it, and we all did that just on ourselves, on our own belief in ourselves. So you're making your own work. Are you then thinking we could be working at a different level? We could be making work that's not just serving our acting careers necessarily. And sure. you're so then pushing it out to people and trying to get it seen. Is that how that works? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the early stuff was, you know, the old kind of, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's for us, obviously it's for us to, you know, as an actor to get seen or as a writer to get seen. And it was kind of the festival circuit and it was, but you know, there's a natural growth to want to kind of do it at the next level and sure. keep going forward in that particular case a good friend of ours who happens to be a very big agent saw it and said, what are you guys doing with this? It gets kind of the weird cliche Hollywood thing, but it does happen. And he said, well, you know, we're going to try to pitch it and we're going to take it to, you know, festivals. And, and he's like, well, you know, do you want me to rep you on this? And that's how it started. Yeah. But, you know, all of that even leading up to that was kind of building trust in, in, in those people and, keeping them abreast of what's going on. So when you have that screening that they might connect to, and you don't know what these people are going to connect to. Sure. You know, everybody connects to something different, but that was the one thing that they were like, Oh, you know, for whatever reason, we could have just had a, a, a weird day. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and which then further went to, okay, what else do you have? What's in your arsenal? What could I send the studio of your work? What could I send the production company? Sure. And then it goes back to, oh, we did three sketches for Funny or Die. And, uh, and you actually had stuff you could send. Yeah. You know? yeah. The and, key uh, is making your own work. I mean, I really can't preach it enough. And, you know, this is, what I, this is what I equate it to. If you're a musician, and I understand making movies and making film, making theater, it is a collaborative thing. But if you're a musician or you're an artist, you're not going to wait to paint a picture for somebody to say, okay, now you're allowed to paint. You know, like, okay, we... I think you're ready. I'm going to pay you and you're allowed to paint now. You're going to, you're going to paint and you're going to make music in your house. You're going to, you know, there's a, you're going to create to, to, to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a bit abrupt. Where were our goodbyes? Where are our manners? But we end on a really important note. Artists don't wait for permission to create. And we found the video Nick didn't want you to see, <laughs> my blowout haircut. We'll have a link to it on our website, and you can find out more about Nick and 418 Films and all that they're working on. Thanks so much for joining us, and make sure to go to makeyourshow.tv to hear more episodes like this or to learn more about us. 